Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah chapter 47 called See the God's Fall. Now, in these verses, I couldn't help when I saw the words naked and uncovered and shame and being exposed and vengeance and all of this to think of the fall. Because in the fall, remember, Adam and Eve were in this perfect paradise. They were naked, but they were unashamed. And they were walking with God. God apparently walked with them in the cool of the day. And verse 4 introduces this idea, the Goel, our Redeemer, The Lord of hosts is his name, the Holy One of Israel. Now, the Redeemer is pictured way back in Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 3, and I want to show you these beautiful ideas of how God comes in even after the shame of the fall. This chapter is really about the fall of Babylon, the chapter 47 in Isaiah. But I want you to see how it connects to the fall of mankind. Uh, The serpent shows up. And he appears in Genesis 3, and he says in verse 5, For God knows that the day you eat uh, from the the tree, eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Genesis 3, 6. When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, And she gave also to her husband with her, and I hope you've marked that before, Adam apparently was with her when she was being tempted. He was right there, and she handed him the fruit. He didn't step in and guard her as he should have, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them, notice, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. And then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And then the Lord God called to the man, to Adam. And he said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of thee in the garden. I was afraid. Here comes fear and shame because I was naked and so I hid myself. Skip down to verse 15. God says to the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. Her seed is a uh, early prophecy of the Messiah. He shall bruise you on the head. He's going to give a fatal blow to the serpent. And you shall bruise him on the heel. I think that's a picture of the cross. It's painful, but it wouldn't be the end of his story. And then if you skip down to verse, let's see, 21. Genesis 3.21, notice what the Lord does. And the Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife. And what did he do? He clothed them. Their their own effort was apparently insufficient to cover them. And the Lord God clothed them. And here's this early story of redemption in the fall chapter. Now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's talking about the resurrection body. And he, he talks about this interesting aspect, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, we know, verse 1, if the earthly tent, which is our house, our current body, is compared to a tent, and 
when I preached on this, I said, it's probably not by accident that our house is compared to a tent, our current earthly body, because you know what happens to tents, right? They sag, they need to be patched, you know, all that stuff. They wear out, which is our house is torn down. We have a contrast with the tent, a building from God that speaks of permanence. And many scholars see in here the tabernacle and then the temple, the permanent building for Israel from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That's our future resurrection body. For indeed, in this house, in this current body or tent, we groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven, inasmuch as we, having put it on, shall not be, what? Found naked. And sometimes people say, you know, in this passage, maybe it means that Paul's saying, in an intermediate state, I don't want to be just a non-corporeal spirit. What do you mean, Pastor Michael? I don't want to just be a soul or a spirit without a body. But I think what Paul is doing is taking us back to the Genesis language and saying, you know what? God is the one that clothes me. My problem as an individual is that I sin. My sin causes me to fall short of the glory of God. And God has clothed me with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why I'm not condemned. And that Genesis picture in the very first fall chapter of mankind uh, and their fall, Adam and Eve, says that God came in, he intervened, he announced the coming of the Messiah, the seed of the woman, he clothed them himself, and this is all a picture of redemption. This is what God does for us. And Babylon and the people of Babylon can be saved as well if they turn to this Redeemer. Otherwise, they're going to try to clothe themselves and their clothing just will not do. It will not uh, take away uh, the shame and the guilt. He at the cross bore my shame. Go back to Isaiah. Our Redeemer, our Goel, the Lord of hosts is his name. He is the Holy One of Israel. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who, what? Do you remember? Hangs on a tree. Isn't it interesting that at a tree, we lost what was precious. Jesus Christ dies on a tree. And then, That redemption or payment price gives us access again to what? The tree of life, which is in the midst of the new Jerusalem. Revelation 21 and 22. I don't know. I just just felt that that was interesting. And Jesus Christ... Uh, takes the sentence, he, he, is, he incurs the wrath of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.24, he bore our sins in his body on the tree. He wore, if you will, our sins so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness because of that fact that he became sin, him who knew no sin became sin for us, that in him we might become the what? righteousness of God, clothed with his righteousness. And that's what we have in Jesus Christ. We are transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, the kingdom of his beloved son. But there's Babylon. In the midst of an idolatrous culture, uh, thinking that uh, nothing's ever going to change, and God says, sit silently, verse 5, and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you will no more be called the queen of kingdoms. This speaks of Babylon's beauty as a city. 
Isaiah 13, 19 says, And Babylon, the beauty of kingdoms, the glory of the Chaldeans' pride, will be as when God overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. That's Isaiah 13, 19. Babylon looked at its own city and said, you know what? This is the best it can be. No one's ever going to do anything to this glory. It's kind of like Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4, walking, remember, on his balcony saying, the great Babylon that I have built, look what I've done. And you remember what God did to him? Long fingernails, long hair. We believe seven years that he got to eat some grass and learn some humility. Yes. And God says, I was angry with my people. I, God is telling you, he was the one that did it. I profaned my heritage, Israel, and gave them into your hand. And you did not show mercy to them. On the aged, you made your yoke very heavy. God has a special place in his heart for the orphan, the widow, and the aged. And so should we. And when a culture begins to slide, it begins to lose its value on what is indeed precious to God. And God says, the orphan is precious to me. The widow is precious to me. I would argue the unborn child is precious to God and the aged are precious to God. And God calls out Babylon for mistreating the elderly in the captivity situation. Now, Hold that thought and go to Deuteronomy 28. Moses was warning Israel, Deuteronomy 28, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He's warning Israel to keep the covenant. And he tells them, if you don't, there's going to be some dire circumstances in the nation. Deuteronomy 28, look at verse 49. He says, the Lord will bring a nation, Deuteronomy 28, 49, against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as the eagle swoops down, a nation whose language you shall not understand, Deuteronomy 28, 50. A nation of fierce countenance, who shall have no respect for the old, nor show favor to the young. Moses warned the people way back in the history of Israel that if you leave the covenant, if you depart from the living God, if you don't keep my ways, I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. A foreign nation is going to come in with stern faces, exteriors, and they are going to mistreat your old and your young. Does God tell history in advance? Oh, yes, he does. They knew exactly what they were going to get. The Babylonian captivity shouldn't have been a surprise because God, all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, which they often would memorize, spoke it. Back to Isaiah 47. Yet you said, now I want you to see Babylon's pride. They don't think anything's going to happen to them. They're very confident. Yet you said, this is 47.7, I shall be a queen forever. I'm never going to be knocked off my throne. These things you did not consider, nor remember the outcome of them. I am going to be a queen forever. This is the mantra of the world. Second Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Know this, first of all, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts, and they will say, 
Where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Nothing's going to change. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Walk in Truth has more content for you to listen to with our mini-sodes A Step Closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. We have just celebrated Easter, so the first series is on the resurrection. So if something is that, that's written down reflects poorly on what is being described or what is being reported on, if that reflects poorly... That lends to its credibility. Yes. Because normally we say, well, the writers are biased. Regardless, we're not just talking about the New Testament. Any writer's biased, they want to get their point of view across. But what shows their objectivity or attempt to be objective is when they include information or facts that reflect poorly on themselves or the narrative they're trying to push. Yes. And, and so let's take a step further towards that. So when the women go to the apostles who are supposed to be the brave followers of Christ, right. they say... The, the women have lost their minds, to paraphrase. They do. They're just crazy tales. They, they don't believe it, which is another embarrassment yeah. because, of course, the, the documents go on to say that Christ is risen and it becomes crystal clear. But the, the way that it, this is written down, and we believe it corresponds exactly to what happened, is that they don't believe. They have no faith. To listen to the Walk in Truth mini-sodes a step closer, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and more. Again, follow Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Does God tell history in advance? Oh, yes, he does. They knew exactly what they were going to get. The Babylonian captivity shouldn't have been a surprise because God, all the way back in the book of Deuteronomy, which they often would memorize, spoke it. Back to Isaiah 47. Yet you said... Now, I want you to see Babylon's pride. They don't think anything's going to happen to them. They're very confident. Yet you said, this is 47.7, I shall be a queen forever. I'm never going to be knocked off my throne. These things you did not consider, nor remember the outcome of them. I am going to be a queen forever. This is the mantra of the world. 2 Peter 3, 3 and 4 says, Know this, first of all, in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking following after their own lusts, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all continues just as it was from the beginning of creation. Nothing's going to change. God's not going to intervene. And Peter says in that very chapter, uh, it kind of escapes their notice that God did intervene a couple times. You know, he intervened with a flood, and uh, he's intervened in the past, and he will again. As a matter of fact, there's a major intervention coming. 
It's called the end of the age. When he's going to sum up the times, now then, he says, verse 8, hear this, you sensual one who dwells securely, who says in your heart, now get this, I am, and there is no one besides me. Uh Uh-oh. You should write in your Bible, "Uh uh-oh. You don't say those kinds of things because what you're doing is taking language that God has been saying in these chapters. God's been saying, I am, and there is no God besides me, and you stole it. This is identity theft. But it doesn't hold up. You say, I shall not sit as a widow, nor shall I know the loss of children. Wow. The American Humanist Association published their manifesto in 1973, among other things. It says, quote, we affirm moral values derive their source from human experience. Ethics is autonomous and situational, situational needing no theological or ideological sanction. Ethics do not come from God. That's what they're saying. Human life has meaning because we, emphasis, we create and develop our futures. That's their manifesto. It's because we determine morality. We determine what's going to happen. We determine the future. And when you say too many of those we's, you know what God says? I Don't shake your fist at heaven too long. Don't sit there and say that you're God. Don't stand on the seashore and say, I am God, I am God. You can say that all you want, but you're not God. And Babylon was doing this, and God says, you better hear this, sensual one. You who dwell securely, who say, look where it starts. Here's where idolatry starts. Who says in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. Where does it all begin? Where does idolatry begin? It begins in your heart. It begins in your self-talk. You see, this is in my notes. Not everyone who is this pompous and self-deified has self-deification syndrome actually speaks it out. Most people don't tell you they think they're God, but they do. And you know how you can tell? Just watch the way they carry themselves. Just watch the way they interact with people. Just watch what they do to try to make themselves the center of everything. They don't have to tell you they think they're a God. They demonstrate it by the way that they live. If ever we were in a self-absorbed culture, not to mention the church culture, it is this one. We have magazines called self Ah, that speaks to me. Self, my favorite subject, right? And then, not only do we have that, but now in the grocery line, the self magazine has a girl that pretty much has nothing on. She's not hiding much of herself. And notice she's called the sensual one. She says, I'm never going to see any loss. You see, I am, and there's, this is the world's mantra. Do you hear it? I am and there is no one besides me. It's all about me. And it's showing up in our educational system. But the sober reality is that God was listening to the self-talk, the, the assured observations, 
And, and this is what they say. I'm God. I'm the only one. I'm the one. I'm going to play my own praise song. I'm just going to let that song play. I am, and there's nobody else. I am. Keep telling yourself that. That's what we teach them. We teach them that that's the thing that they should do. They should make it. We've even somehow found a way to to say that the scriptures teach that we have to love ourselves before we can really love others. Wait a minute. No, 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 no. We already love ourselves. And God is saying, look, listen, if you have the NIV, you wanton creature, (laughs) don't you love that? Lounging in your security and saying to yourself, I am and there is no one besides me. I will never be a widow or suffer loss of children. 1 Timothy 5, 6 says, but she who gives herself to wanton pleasure, listen, is dead even while she lives. Here's the reality. We sold people the bill of goods. We said, it's all about you, man. It's about self-deification. It's about you becoming God. And then people did that. And you know what they found? That in their self-deification and wanting pleasure, they're dead even while they live. Why? Because where is life found? In getting everything that you want? Is that what we're finding in the movie stars? You know, they get or the uh, young athletes who get $20 million contracts and start to spend it all on themselves. They're doing great, right? Yeah, you'll find most of them in rehab and divorce court. Why? Because there's something in us that when we start doing that, man, it just implodes on us. When we start thinking that we're the center of the universe, but these two things shall come on you suddenly. Notice what God says, in one day... You were saying that you're not going to lose anything. Loss of children and widowhood. The two things that you said you know are never going to happen, they shall come on you in full measure. You've been listening to See the Gods Fall, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 47. Hey, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our Free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also listen to our new mini-sodes called A Step Closer. Now, our Living Truth app is the one with the red logo with pillars. With our app, you can learn more about Living Truth Christian Fellowship, the church behind Walk in Truth, where Pastor Michael serves as senior pastor. If you're local to Southern California, the app gives updates and information about upcoming Bible studies, free events, and services, both for you and your kids. If you live outside Southern California, you can still benefit from our Living Truth app. You can listen or watch Pastor Michael's previous teachings, and you can contact the church if you have any questions or comments. Download the free Living Truth app in your app store. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word before we go. Well, we got a note from a listener uh, recently, and it was really about the issue of evil, uh, the problem of evil, and even a, a verse that talks about God causing calamity, and some of the versions I think even would say evil. And this is a real question that many good scholars wrestle with. And uh, the bigger issue, of course, is the issue of evil itself, the problem of evil. It's been categorized really as a an area of study, an area of contemplation, an area that is difficult and challenging. Why does God permit evil? Does he cause evil? 
Um, what's going on with all of that? How are we to understand even what's happening today with the coronavirus, with war? You know, every age has, has had to wrestle with this, uh, really, you know, all the way back from the beginning when man, man fell and, you know, Cain, uh, killed Abel. We've had war. We've had, uh, confrontations and ugliness and division. And how are we to make sense of it now? And what does it mean to us? And how are we to navigate it? Hey, well, we have introduced you a new um, layer of our ministry here at Walk in Truth, and it's called A Step Closer. And the idea of these devotions, um, these mini-sodes, as we did one on the resurrection recently, and you can grab Uh, Listen to a copy of that on um, any of the platforms that you listen to Walk in Truth. We're going to deal with this issue of evil, the problem of evil, on our next mini-sode. We really want to delve into this and and talk about it. It's it's something that we're always wrestling with. So be watching for that and sign up uh, for a step closer on all the platforms. Uh, Mike Massaro will tell you more about that. And uh, we'll get that out to you as soon as we can. God bless you. Hey, keep us in prayer. We continue to try to help um, all of us get a little bit closer to the Lord every day. And we pray that that's happening for you. God bless you. Pray for us. Support us if you can. See you right here, Lord willing, tomorrow. Remember, Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station, provide the podcast for free, and it helps us do our free apologetic events, too please consider becoming a monthly partner of at least $5 a month. You can donate at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Isaiah 47 called See the Gods Fall. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. Our goal is to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.